Done. I'm ready. You're rolling? Yep. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. Hi, I'm Aileen Tisser, and I'd love to introduce you to my partner. Cindy Friedman, I'm an OT and a rec therapist, and my friend Aileen. Yeah, I'm a physical therapist by training, and together we have created the Swim Angelfish methodology. And we're here today to share this information via webinar, podcasts, so that we can educate the community in our program to help you to be prepared for your adaptive swim program. And our adaptive swim whispers program is going to give you the ability to assess and identify the roadblocks that swimmers with special needs are having when learning to swim so that you could then use strategies in your very next lesson and strengthen your current curriculum by knowing how to get these swimmers to progress. And what we want to do in our, in our mission to be the global leaders of Adapted Swim is we, we've been around to lots of conferences and things and our major goal is nobody is teaching special needs Adaptive Swim without some type of training. So voila, we're here offering you a free webinar podcast. And in this podcast, if you are a parent, or a swim instructor or working at an aquatic facility, this is a free resource for you to offer strategies and techniques, 14 of them in total, for you the next time you get in the water with anybody with special needs. It could be autism, it could be general delay, maybe trauma, sensory, motor, I don't know, the, the world is at, at blah blah, keep going. <laughs> Anyway, so to begin, we want you to understand the key elements of our program in general. I think we should cut and redo. Don't you think? Why? Blah, blah. <laughs> She's going to cut that out later. So oh, right. Just cut it. Out. Okay, we'll cut. Keep going. The okay. key elements of the Swim Angelfish methodology is called the Adaptive Swim Whispers program. And in the Adaptive Swim Whispers program, you will get the tools, like we said, to assess, identify, and implement the strategies that we're about to teach you. For Adapted Swim, we use the acronym Adapted Swim, and we give you 11 areas of focus to really help you get a full assessment of what you need to do. And you weave in and out of the Swim Whispers program, which Swim Whispers acronym identifies the roadblocks that you're seeing that we then give you the strategies to use. So in summary, you're going to move between Adaptive Swim and Swim Whispers and really understand the underlying problem these swimmers are having when they learn to swim. So let's get started now. We're gonna give you a, a new tip for each of these roadblocks that you find that isn't normally in our program just to get you excited and you know able to use this in your very next lesson. And if, you, if you're tuning in, you might be a typical swim instructor and you might be seeing swimmers that have some issues. Maybe they're really aware uh, that they have an issue, maybe they're nonverbal, maybe they're coming in a wheelchair, but this program will strengthen what you already know and it will give you something to do the very next time that you're in the pool. I mean, our passion is this. You wouldn't bring a swimmer to a swim instructor that didn't have special training in regular swim lessons. Why is it okay to have a swimmer with special needs 
just going to someone that doesn't have the training needed to specifically understand their issues. And that's what we're here to give you today. No more winging it. And let's bring it. Yeah, that's such, a, that's such a good point. If you're a parent listening, really be open and honest with your swim instructor and ask them, can you tell me a little bit about the extra training that you have to make sure that they have the strategies and techniques that are going to work for your swimmer. So we're going to take the acronym SWIM Whisperers and here come the new tips. Mm -hmm. The first one that I'm going to talk about is safety. Now safety, we as swim instructors are always being safe with our swimmer. We want everyone safe around water. Well, children with autism are more at risk for drowning than the average child because of the impulsivity, because of the wandering. And if one in 59 children currently are being diagnosed with autism and drowning is the leading cause of death for these swimmers. It is our duty to understand how to keep them safe. So it's not only safety within your lesson, but what about safety within your pool environment? What about safety with your lifeguards and having them really understand what these swimmers need? They're not gonna respond to the quick blow of the whistle and the shouting that another swimmer might respond to. And the way they swim, sometimes might look a little bit like they're in distress, but it's just how they're seeking the input of the water. So safety begins with more than just what's happening in your lesson. It's about the whole swim environment, from the facility, to the lifeguards, to the front desk staff, understanding why these kids are moving and acting the way they're acting. So safety. And I really like that you brought up the concept of the lifeguard because we also have a webinar podcast on lifeguards soft signs to approach differently. And the beautiful thing is they can complement their training as a lifeguard by listening to 25 minutes and hopefully have a more safe, successful intervention in the unlikely event that they need to help somebody or save somebody. Very good point. Yeah, and so I just would like to bring up the next letter, which is W in Swim Whispers, and it is water properties. We like to say, have the very best swim school. Hydrostatic pressure, turbulence, buoyancy, streamlining, viscosity, and probably a lot of you are aware of those properties of the water. The one tip that you're gonna use maybe in one of your next lessons is that you could have, believe it or not, something to overcome the buoyancy. So buoyancy is so tricky because any swimmer that has a challenge, it could be anxiety, and it could be physical disability. They might really not know how to figure out what to do with buoyancy. And this is such an easy tip. And it's a long sleeve cotton shirt, maybe even long sleeve pants, maybe Aileen even socks if they really need a lot of input. And you put the clothes on and allow them time to just walk in the water, waist deep, neck deep, and help them figure out how to just manage the upward thrust of buoyancy. It is a miraculous tip. I've seen it work time and time again, allowing the swimmer to feel a little bit of weight is how you can think of it, and then peeling off the clothes and watching their face as they understand and figure out that buoyancy doesn't have to be something that they fear, but it can be something that they can manage while they learn their swim lesson. Aileen, do you have anything to add to that? Again, I just love it. Well, it's also the clothes, right, that you pick could be more heavy thick, yeah. and thick. So if you do a thick sweatshirt compared to a cotton t-shirt, if the child needed more yeah, grounding, exactly. you can do that. So it gives you a lot of options. Yeah. And we have a lot of other tips in our Swim Whisper online training, but that's one that we've seen work quite often.
I'm going to talk about I, which is interpreting touch. Yes, and right. interpreting touch is so important because it's about responding instead of reacting. A response is something that's more thoughtful and you're looking at what's going to happen because of it. A reaction is something abrupt and impulsive and might not always be the best choice. And when I say respond instead of reacting, I'm thinking about the child that when they're touched, they you know, grab your neck and you can't get them off of your neck because they're so afraid. Instead of reacting, which sometimes you would peel them off of your neck because they're grabbing you, maybe give them what you, they need for a minute. Give them a little bit of a firm squeeze and then think to yourself, how can I redirect this? Maybe bounce over to the side of the pool, turn them, have them hold the wall, then you can approach them from behind and go back to what you were doing. And it was a little bit more of a flow, it was a little bit more thoughtful, and it gets you to your goal a little bit faster. Yeah, I think interpreting touch is such a tricky issue because you're in the pool, you're in a swimming suit, your skin is your, your largest organ, and it's out in there. And some of these swimmers, they don't like irregular touch or they don't like firm touch. And it's, it's a really big topic, and we have to be aware of what kind kind of touch is going to work and what is going to cause a, a adverse response. Yeah, very good point. So I am going to now talk about M, swim and letter M, managing your body and breath. So when we talk about submerging, I'm sure you guys, if you're swim instructors, have multiple ways that you take kids underwater. The special needs adaptive swim community is going to probably need a different approach and it can't just be fixed by keep trying to do it. Yeah. So one of the things that we like to do is talk about body parts. How many of you guys already do that? Maybe you do that. Talking about body parts, lips in, nose in, eyes in, lips, nose, mouth, hair, everything under submerging. And while you're doing the under, don't go forward, try and go backwards. Moving backwards probably will help them to bring their chin to a chin tuck and probably will avoid drinking some of the water. Do you have anything to add to I that? I mean, I'd like everybody watching this webinar right now or listening to this um, audio to think about what it's like when your head is up trying to swallow. It can't be done. So Cindy is so right when she talks about getting the chin tuck because if a little water does get in your mouth, you can manage that if you have a chin tuck. Whereas if your head is up because you're afraid to go under, you're going to start gagging. That's going to lead to panic, and you're going to hate going under. Yeah, yeah. So and a really and one experience for a lot of these kids, I mean, they cannot get out of a rut. One experience in their brain, mm -hmm. they are going to be rigid in their response of ever wanting to go under that's again. True. Well, I'm going to talk about W now, and that's ways of processing. Processing and auditory processing is a big issue for swimmers with special needs. Now think about it, the pool environment is very echoey. The sound reverberates, there's lots of swimmers, the acoustics can be bad. And kids with auditory processing issues first have to hear what you're saying. Then they have to filter out all the background noise that's going on. Then they have to kind of translate what you want them to do and make their own body do it. That's a lot of steps. And if they can't even hear you in the first place because of all the background information and they can't even process the words that you're saying, how can they follow the direction? So understanding when you need to go slow, understanding the tone of your voice, understanding that you need to allow them time to process the direction instead of frequently repeating, 
how many of you as, as swim instructors, you're so motivated and excited. You're like, big kicks, big kicks, big kicks, big kicks. <laughs> and, and every time they hear you say big kicks, their brain is resetting to hear it again mm-hmm. before they can even make their body do it. So my strategy for you today is to take a pause after you give the direction to your swimmer to see if they're actually processing what you're saying. And a pause could be a 60 second pause, which try counting 60 after you say something. It's a long time. Yeah, I always like to say, I'm gonna say the alphabet in my head, because that gives me like 26 seconds or 30 seconds. So a lot of times I think about, say the alphabet, don't say it again, and then probably about 20 seconds later, I see them begin to try to go get the piece of equipment so they did hear me. And one thing that I I wanted to say is you just talked about interpreting touch a minute ago, Mm -hmm. and and the same thing has to do with that, is that I would say to you, I'm gonna touch your shoulder, and then I would wait and then I would touch their shoulder. So interpreting touch sometimes can relate. Well, you know, you're very true in what you're bringing up because these aren't isolated roadblocks. Sometimes you have multiple roadblocks going on at the same time and they're crossing over. So we want to give you so many options to understand that you're addressing the correct one. You might be correcting a few at a time. So that's really important. Yeah, and I I would be able now to go on to having body and breath control. And the one thing that you could think about as a swim instructor is having body and breath control and using the hydrostatic pressure of the water. And what I mean by that is to have the swimmer on the steps or in the shallow and kind of lift up. If you're, if you're just listening to this, you'd want to come up like to your belly and then go down to your neck. When you go up to your belly and down to your neck, the hydrostatic pressure is actually going to assist you in pushing the air out. Now, it might sound silly, but a lot of times there's a really tricky, tricky situation with body and breath control and timing, timing with motor movements, timing in general. And this will allow you to match everything together. You're all the way up, you're going down, take a big breath in, a big breath out, and they're going to have the hydrostatic pressure of the water assist in the breath coming out to blow. This is terrific because there's a lot of neuroscience behind this too. What does a deep breath do for your body and do for your anxiety? A deep breath helps you wash away adrenaline. It helps you calm down. So a lot of our anxious swimmers, this is addressing so many things at the same time. They don't even get to a breath because they breathe so high and they get themselves so nervous and then they don't even know how to blow out the air, to blow a ping pong ball or an air flip. So it's a great strategy and technique is to come up out of the water multiple times and down and have the hydrostatic pressure assist with blowing of the breath. I'm gonna talk about eye now, inability to go on your back. Mm. How many of our swimmers have trouble laying on their back? Yeah. So many. And as a swim instructor, you've already developed a lot of techniques. So I don't wanna tell you something that you already know, because I know a lot of you already put the child on your shoulder, grade lying back, make it comfortable. But what you might not know is that when the head go past neutral, Mm -hmm. when a child is on their back, you're eliciting a primitive reflex called the Moro reflex, which is your startle reflex, which sends you into this spiral of fight and flight. So the reaction that you're getting from your swimmer isn't overreacting, you actually sent them into this panic. Mm -hmm. So if you are seeing that, another technique that might help you wash that away would be taking them over to the side of the pool. Hold on to the side of the pool and make a little wall ball. That flexed position 
is calming and organizing. While they're in this calming and organizing position of holding the side, have them just practice the movement of laying back. Have them practice the movement of tipping their head back in the water and then lifting it up. In a sense, what you're doing is you're having them move in and out of that reflex pattern and gain control of it. Mm -hmm. Once they gain control of it, they're less likely to snap into fear and then go back to your techniques of grading laying on your back and I bet you you're gonna have more success. And I love what you're saying about that because it seamlessly weaves into all the other ones we just talked about. Not being able to be touched. Well, if they're in a ball, they can just impose the touch on themselves, right? And if they're talking about having body and breath control, they can figure out how to move their body while they feel safe on that flexion position in the wall. So I really, I really love that. Yeah, it's, it's a really important one. I would say this is one I work on with almost all of my swimmers. Yeah. And now I get to go to seeking sensory input, which all of you do your own things to seek sensory input, right? Maybe you like really high coffee or maybe you like to chew on ice or maybe you like to take a lot of movement breaks if you're at your desk. So that's kind of what we mean about seeking sensory input. Maybe you like one piece of gum, maybe two, maybe three, and it gives input to your body. That's what seeking sensory input is kind of about. Now, when our swimmers, whether they be children or adult, come to the pool, it is an oasis of opportunity to mm -hmm. seek and satiate sensory movement. So the one tip for, that we could give you is maybe you don't stop them from seeking mm -hmm. right away. Maybe you take a structured time to allow some seeking. And, and what might that look like, Aileen? It might look like just splashing the top of the water. It might look like somersaults. It might look like multiple bobs. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add to that? I just want to say that some of these swimmers have difficulty articulating with language what they need. So mm -hmm. watch what they're doing because they're showing you what they need. Yeah. And a lot of times you want to get on with the productivity of your swim lesson and you're like, stop the splashing. We're going to do big arms. Let's move past this. Yeah. But if you take five minutes to give them what they need because they're showing you what they need, it's right there in front of yeah. you. You're going to have 25 minutes of success instead of 30 minutes of kind of conflict. And that kind of leads into the swim whisper methodology, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to get some extra training, you really look at things with a whole different eye and you're able to make more progress faster. A little tip of allowing five minutes of seeking sensory, who knew that that was gonna allow you to have a 25 minute lesson? Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm going to talk about P now, which is problems with a plan, mm -hmm. and this is the swim whisperer difference. Because as um, a swim instructor with a curriculum that you follow, you like to do things in a certain order, right? You're supposed to be able to back float before you're able to, you know, have the mobility on your back, or you're supposed to be able to go underwater before you can really progress swim strokes. Mm -hmm. What we're asking you to do is to be flexible within yourself and within your plan and follow your intuition on what you're seeing mm -hmm. the swimmer do at that moment and adjust your plan. If they're getting in and they need to move because they're seeking sensory input, don't stop it and work on quiet floating because that's what you needed to do next in your plan. Be flexible, be adaptable, right in the moment and have a plan that's fluid just like working in the pool. 
And, and this also pulls in our areas of focus, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're constantly looking at the action that you're taking or right. what you're discovering or what self-awareness you have or maybe a decision that you might have to make about what activity you're going to choose next. And your rigid thinking as a swim instructor sometimes of getting to the next level. You need to be an eel and then you have to be a shark and then you're going to be a whale. It might be a lot different mm-hmm. when you're working with a special needs adaptive swim. But, but I just want to add, that doesn't mean don't push for swim goals. Uh, yeah, true. Because these swimmers can achieve it. We have swimmers with special needs that seem very profoundly affected doing butterfly, doing flip yeah. turns, that are on swim teams. So always have a goal. Just be flexible with your plan. So I, I probably think by now you see that we love what we're doing. And I want to talk about engagement and interaction. Mm-hmm. Now, all of us, whether you're a parent or a swim instructor, aquatic professional, and you're watching this, you probably have had a lot of training in engagement and interaction because we all need that. And the one thing that's gonna help with our program with special needs is to have something novel. And that can be something as simple as having a small green noodle and then the next day a giant blue noodle. Mm -hmm. Just the little differences, the little nuances is gonna capture and engage the swimmers. So really take novelty to a whole new level with this population. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and you feed right into what I'm gonna talk about. (laughs) I mean, I'm gonna talk about reacting. The swimmer that reacts, we talk about overreactive and underreactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The overreactive, anxious swimmer, this whole piece of novelty and engagement flows right into that. And the reason being is because when they overreact and they get anxious and upset, if you resort to this tip, which is heavy work for the body, mm-hmm. something they like to do, something that's using all of their muscles and joints, for example, grabbing a barbell and crashing it into the side of the pool, and then you add a little humor to that, you break that loop, you break that overreactive response, and you save the day. It's like, what can I do to create, create, you know, correct a lesson that's going south fast? Yeah. First, I treat the body, I get serotonin flowing, they start feeling better, then I add a little humor, and I'm breaking that mental loop, and you can't fail. I think that's just an amazing tip. Yeah, and I think when you take level one and you start getting into the meat and potatoes of it, you really see there are so many other things. Even if you taught for 30 years, there are things that you were already doing, but maybe you weren't doing them in that order, or maybe you weren't as flexible with them. So it's, it brings us now to something we all see, which is excessive drinking, right? So now sensory seeking. Well, if you like to chew a lot of gum or chew ice and that gets you organized, you can suck and lick and blow in the water and it's right there constantly and a lot of kids love especially if they're not very verbal think about it think about how much i just moved my mouth saying that they don't get that experience so they want to satiate themselves with the water a couple of things and one of these tips i got from Kristen, who works with us she had a swimmer max and he could not stop drinking the water and they were almost going to have to quit the program She had tried all of our techniques and one day she came to me and she said, you're not going to believe it. I got ice chips from the hotel lobby and the sucking on the ice chips allowed him to close his mouth enough that he would then start keeping it closed for five or ten minutes. When she saw him lapping up the water, they went back to a couple of ice chips and it was like a miraculous fix for excessive drinking. And this is why our program constantly is growing and changing and adding because our 20 swim instructors are doing things like this 
only seeing special needs kids and they're able to come back to us with this like giant feedback loop of guess what I did today and this worked. And so as long as I'm giving one tip, I'm going to give another. So Chris out at Swimscape in California, he was talking to me and he said the excessive drinking tips, I cannot resolve it. Calls me back about a month later and he used a mouth guard, which I had never thought of. Have you ever thought of that? No. And he said the whole bite gave this swimmer enough input and it makes sense because your mouth gets heavy work and it gets you organized. So he was able to have him bite on the mouth guard throughout the lesson. And when you bite, you really can't drink very well. Mm -hmm. So those are your two tips, ice chips and a mouth guard. I love that too because the underlying reason is bringing more awareness to the mouth. Yeah. Maybe the kids aren't even realizing, they're just fixated on how good it feels. So the ice chips, which brought the cold, brought awareness to the mouth. Yeah. And then the bite of the mouth yeah. guard, um, we, that was really good. Yeah, really and like as therapists, we have, Aileen's a PT, yeah. I'm an OT, we have so much background, right? We've been practicing 20, 25 years. And you learn all about everything that you can do with oral motor activities mm -hmm. to become organized or to get some speech coming out. So it definitely is something that if you take the program, you'll see more of the science behind and the underlying reasons of why we're giving you strategies and techniques and areas to focus on. I'm going to talk about rigidity and we're almost done. So hang in there. We have two more tips to give you. And in rigidity, we talk about the instructor, but we also talk about the swimmer. And you'll get a, a plethora of knowledge about that in our manual on our online training. But yeah. the new tip I want to give you today for that is for the rigid swimmer who wants to do things the way they want to do it, who needs that sense of control, who doesn't want to go to certain areas of the pool. Yeah. Our tip for that, because a lot of times, um, you're being told to use these visual schedules, right? And these text pictures for the nonverbal swimmer. Yeah. My tip to you is use them for the rigid, anxious, somewhat controlling swimmer that you can say, here are the seven pictures. We're going to do all of this today, even though they don't want to, but you get to choose how we do it. What do you want to do first? What do you want to do second? And give them the control, yet you're still getting done what you need to get done. Yeah. And I think you should tell them how to find some pictures, don't you? Yes. So you can find them on our website, swimangelfish.com. We have them in our blog and our resource section, or you can just go on YouTube and put in Swim Angelfish video, and you can see a, a bunch of resources there with free webinars, podcasts, as well as info to download. And I think we even have a social story, which is something that we yeah. talk about. So check it out if you're interested. And that leads us to almost the wrap up of stroke performance. Mm -hmm. So. We may be doing a water experience, we may be teaching kids front crawl, butterfly, all of these things, yes. but what I want, just want you to become aware of is the difference between a breaststroke and an elementary backstroke mm -hmm. and the other strokes that are front crawl and back crawl. And when we're thinking of these strokes, think about breaststroke for a minute, think about elementary backstroke, and what is the difference? Well, the difference is my body's doing the same thing on both sides for breaststroke and elementary backstroke. And they're a little bit easier because I never have to lift my arms up out of the water. Now, stroke performance, you may work to get some refined strokes, but the most important thing to remember is front crawl and back crawl, and this is your tip. Those are strokes that allow you to break the surface tension and get sensory input. So if they're swimming front crawl and they're always splashing the water, maybe the splashing can turn into front crawl. And maybe if they can't
coordinate movements and they don't seem very strong, maybe elementary backstroke and breaststroke is simpler and less complex and requires less strength. So maybe that was two tips, but what can I tell you? We're giving you a little extra. Yeah, and I, we just want to wrap it up by saying how we can fill the gap in what's already happening in your swim programs. I believe that you're all doing an excellent job with your intake and assigning the swimmers to where they need to be. Yeah. I think you're doing an excellent job with your swim goals and getting in there and trying to use your curriculum to achieve them. But we step in in step three when that's just not working because you need a little more help assessing, identifying obstacles, and then implementing strategies so you can go back to your curriculum that works. And we like to say, no more winging it. We want you to bring it. So please, please share our free resources. Mm -hmm. Share this podcast webinar. And please let us get to a point where special needs swimming requires some kind of education and no more winging it. Thank you so much. How long was that? It was 28 minutes. Wow! Oh. <laughs> you did it! Oh.